It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Newsroom Robots, the podcast where we explore the intersection of artificial intelligence and the news industry. I'm Nikita Roy, data scientist, media entrepreneur, and one of the many founders currently building their ventures at the Harvard Innovation Labs. On the Newsroom Robots, I'm excited to bring you insightful conversations with industry experts about how AI is impacting the way we do journalism. A quick announcement before we get into today's episode. I'm excited to announce the launch of the Newsroom Robots Academy, where we'll be offering a series of short online courses designed to introduce you to the use of generative AI, complete with industry-specific insights. I'll be co-teaching these courses alongside Jeremy Kaplan, who writes the Wonder Tools newsletter and is the Director of Teaching and Learning at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at the City University of New York. Upskilling has become more crucial than ever. And through the courses offered at the Newsroom Robots Academy, we're aiming to guide you through the various ways to leverage the capabilities of generative AI in your work ethically. Sign up in the link in the show notes and be the first to know when the courses are available. And with that, let's get to the episode. My guest today is Craig Newmark, a visionary whose profound contributions have shaped the landscape of digital platforms and supported the pillars of journalism. As the founder of Craigslist, Craig revolutionized the classified ad sector and transformed how people buy, sell, and connect within their local communities. Beyond his impact on the internet's landscape, Craig is a dedicated philanthropist, notably through the Craig Newmark Philanthropies, where he's become a beacon of support for the work of journalists. Craig's philanthropic journey is marked by significant contributions to some of the leading journalism schools, including the City University of New York's Graduate School of Journalism, aiming for a future where education in journalism is accessible to all, free of tuition. 
His support extends beyond financial contributions, fostering environments where ethics, security, and the relentless pursuit of truth are paramount. Craig's generosity has been instrumental in establishing the Center for Journalism, Ethics, and Security at Columbia University. His vision for a well-informed public has also led to supporting the University of Washington's Center for an Informed Public, addressing the critical issues of mis- and disinformation. His philanthropic support has also extended to Harvard University's Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society, which supported the launch of a three-year initiative called the Institute for Rebooting Social Media, aimed at improving the future of social media and online communication. Craig has contributed to several other universities, focusing on initiatives that support journalism, cybersecurity, public service for veterans, and the digital information ecosystem. In this episode, we discuss the evolution of AI, the challenges posed by large language models, and how philanthropy plays a vital role in supporting the integration of AI into journalism. Hi, Craig. Welcome to Newsroom Robots. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, it's my pleasure. I'm really glad to do this. Craig, I've been very excited to talk about all things AI with you because your career has really spanned the incredible shifts that's been in technology from early days of the internet to the current AI revolution that we are seeing ourselves in. And I'm so excited to talk about the world of AI because back in the early 70s, you say that you initially intended to study large language models like ChatGPT before then deciding against it and focusing on software engineering instead. So I actually want to kick our conversation off by reflecting on those early years, actually, your early fascination with LLMs and how that kind of fits into the broader narrative around AI development, because you've seen the transition from those early days of maybe theoretical exploration to the current landscape that we're finding ourselves in right now, where AI is becoming a really integral part of our lives. And I want to take that walk down memory lane with you. Could you share some insights into what those early conversations around large language models were like back in the 70s when you were considering studying it? Well, as you're helping remind everyone, I'm a very old man. You have a wealth of knowledge. That's what it is. I went to college in the early 70s, initially thinking I would go into like quantum physics. Then I realized I wasn't smart enough. Then I figured, well, I'm very interested in the nature of consciousness. And my gut told me that if you could write systems which understood natural language, you would be far on your way towards understanding it. So I'm looking around and I see, oh, we have people looking at understanding natural language, probably using neural networks to do that. That also made a great deal of sense to me, particularly since I had read too much science fiction which is true now, and I'm thinking you put together large networks of simulated neurons and you can understand language. And maybe, like in some of the stories I've read, consciousness might even spontaneously emerge. Well, I looked into this. I remember a book by Winograd. I think it was like natural language understanding. And then I realized, oh, this is really hard. And then I'm thinking, close to no one else is interested in this at this time, and there are not going to be any jobs available for decades. So maybe I would like to earn an income someday. 
And so I went into software engineering, specifically systems engineering, and that's worked out pretty well for me. Over the decades, now and then I'll take a look at what's happening with AI, but I took my eye off the ball and the current advances in uh, artificial intelligence have caught me completely by surprise. I'm excited by a lot of it, but also I'm considering some of the downsides too. Yeah, when you talk about AI, we think about it just something that came about very exponentially last year or within the last few years, but you can really trace down its roots back to like 1940s when people started, like Alan Turing started writing and talking about it. And the 1960s and 70s, what you're talking about was like the AI winter period where research interest funding really dwindled in the 1970s and the 1980s, right? Yeah, I could see that nothing was happening back then. I had other things in programming to focus on. And as things started coming back, I just wasn't paying enough attention. And I want to come to the area we find, the stage we find ourselves in today now with the large language models. How do you kind of juxtapose that incredible advancements and applications we're seeing today? And what gets you so excited about AI? There's two aspects to my excitement. One has to do with the future potential of artificial intelligences, because the part of me that loves science fiction, I guess, thinks maybe consciousness will spontaneously emerge. I've never lost interest in that topic. But for the most part, I think about the practical applications of AI plus the uh, downside of all this. What excites me, because I'm a really boring guy, is that you apply AI and uh, large language models to customer service, and if you take it seriously and keep the models up to date, you might build customer service systems which are far superior to what most companies do these days. Now, that's a low bar. Most of them uh, barely give it lip service. But if you have committed customer service reps updating the models when they see the models don't quite uh, solve problems, this could make life uh, better for lots of people, particularly good customer service reps, because their job evolves from doing straight customer service to training large language models. And I'm guessing that field is both uh, better paid and more fun than being a customer service rep. And I'm speaking as a guy who's done customer service for almost 40 years. Yeah, exactly. I really like that case you're bringing up because we talk about the news industry and we're focused so much on content. But at the end of the day, we are also building an experience for our customers who are our audience and taking it from a different view. How can we make customer service more, more engaging and better and show our commitment towards our audience through the customer service that we provide them? And one way in which large language models could help that experience. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Out. But also, your, that advancement also bring about, you're talking about the concerns that you're having for large language models that are there right now. And I think that requires a lot of thoughtful dialogue and action around it. What is the major concerns that you have around these large language models and especially how we would be using them within our information ecosystem? I can think of two areas without thinking about it too much. One is that not enough people are thinking about the guardrails you put around GPT systems that are intended for kids. Since not enough people are paying attention, I've worked with Common Sense Media and funded them to both develop guidelines and to start rating sites which do large language models, much like Common Sense Media already reviews TV and movies in terms of their suitability for kids. I don't know much about that, what it would be, but I do talk with a lot of people about common sense media, and they say that they rely on those guidelines and those reviews for TV and movies, and cut the common sense people have already started rating sites regarding what's happening with kids. But also, well, I'm a kind of a Old Testament kind of guy with a focus on the Ninth Commandment, which says that you really shouldn't bear false witness or lie to people. And that means you don't want to train large language models to, to lie to people. Maybe the beginning of a, a solution to that could be found, well, in Wikipedia research. They talk about reliable sources. They talk about deprecated sources. Maybe there's uh, something to go on there, but that's my big concern. We want large language models trained on reliable sources, like Wikipedia, maybe like Bloomberg News. Those are normally really reliable. What I'm seeing is sort of this bridge and connection between information, trusted information ecosystems, collaborating and working with technology, basically to produce more reliable information that doesn't accidentally hallucinate or create any false information exactly. How do you see that collaboration? What can we do to help that collaboration move forward? Right now, in terms of trustworthy journalism, trustworthy large language models, no one has the answer because hardly anyone is thinking about the problem. And me, I'm not all that smart. I chat with people. I try to learn. And in general, with my philanthropy, I find people who are smarter than me, who have what some call main character energy, who can better speak up on behalf of these matters that are really important in a free country. And the principle is that I'm not smart. I know a lot about a few things, and I will normally defer to people who really know the stuff. You're very humble there, but also at the same time, who do you see are the people being at the forefront and the organizations being at the forefront to create these guardrails and who are deeply thinking about these problems? 
I'm not sure yet, because I have a lot of faith in Wikipedia. I have a lot of confidence in some news sources like Bloomberg. Now and then, though, I see a, uh, a news organization seeing a major lapse, let's say, in fact-checking or maybe false equivalence. So I'm being really careful. I work with trust and safety teams, casually talking about it. And usually the trust and safety people want to do the right thing, whatever that means. But that's hard to do these days. There's all sorts of pressure on people. So I find people who are smarter than me and who are doing real things to make things better. But people need time, they need resources, and they need a kind of courage and intelligence, which I'm not that good at. That's not humility on my part. That's just me being real. And also, what as an industry and as a news industry, especially that is relying so heavily on these AI companies providing these technologies, what would you say are the top guardrails and the conversations that you think about with trust and safety in these conversations that you have that we should be also focusing on? Well, when it comes to a kid's safety, I'm going to blanket defer to common sense media. When it comes to trustworthiness of large language models, the start is to take a look at Wikipedia, reliable sources, and the deprecated sources, but where we've barely begun to address these problems. And could you also talk more about the sources? We haven't spoken as much about on the podcast, I would say, about like the reliable sources and the deprecated sources and how these large language models can have all of these deprecated sources because we don't know as much about how they have been trained. So could you talk more about the deprecated sources that you're referring to, that model of information ecosystem that they have? My reference would be to the uh, Wikipedia consensus building systems, which surprisingly enough work really well, but they're still a work in progress. So take a look using those titles in Wikipedia, and then let's get someone from a Wikipedia Foundation or the New York City chapter on. And also this commitment to leveraging technology for greater good will just help, is also a powerful testament to kind of like the philanthropic efforts that you've been focused on. And you've been talking a lot about building like an informed like ethical world and using AI as well. And you have a lot of prominent support for the journalism industry and your recent significant contribution to the City University of New York, the $10 million gift that you had, which was to help make journalism education more accessible, free and free and putting them on the path towards creating a more well-informed public discourses. I want to hear more about that and what's kind of motivating you to support the journalism industry through this phase right now. Well, in high school history, Mr. Shulsky taught us that a trustworthy press is the immune system of democracy. We need a trustworthy press speaking truth to power, asking tough questions to survive as a democracy, which in the case of the U.S. is the same as, well, we're talking national survival. And that's a lot of my motivation. We need trustworthy journalists speaking truth to power. Now, in particular, I'm uh, 
pretty serious at supporting CUNY, the City University of New York. Nearly 200 years, it's been about helping people who grow up with uh, little or no money, helping them get good educations so they could get good jobs and get into the middle class or do even better. That's a good reason to support CUNY. CUNY journalism is very effective in terms of teaching people who maybe need a hand to become seriously trustworthy reporters. It's also good at getting people these good educations and actual jobs with fairly little student debt. So that's something, that combination of things, I'm pretty fully behind. Yeah, and how do you hope it would help the effect it would have on the future of journalism? First, we're training lots of good people in journalism who we can trust. And what I need to do is find some way to uh, influence people with lots of discretionary cash to support journalism because we really need it as a matter of national survival. Yeah, exactly. And I think that vision of journalism that you're talking about really upholds the role of um, journalism in democracies in helping enhancing it. And with the current threat of AI that is there for journalism, how concerned would you be about what we're seeing in the landscape that we face right now? Well, we need journalism schools to start teaching their students and alumni what's happening with uh, generative AI. That means teaching courses that serving journalism professionals as well as students can learn what's going on, can learn prompt engineering and so on, can learn what to use and what to avoid. And to that effect, I'm hoping that CUNY Journalism goes ahead and does that. I hear that the school has a journalism lab that's starting up soon. They don't know that I'll push to not only have one session, but to have following sessions and just not stop until no one needs it anymore. Of course, I should take it myself, but I'm getting too old for this. Just for our listeners as well, the CUNY AI Journalism Lab is currently open for applications, which is a dream project that I'm currently have the honor of leading. So I would highly encourage any journalists or anybody to take this opportunity. And just as you said, AI literacy, I think, is such an important part of the industry right now and needs to be about the conversation so that people just are as informed of being journalists. We're also informed citizens on AI and the impact it's going to have for us in our democracy as well. And the risks that you talk about is so important for us to also have informed conversations about. Also, I want to understand more about the philanthropy that you're doing and how important is it for philanthropic efforts right now to support the journalism industry, especially in this transition to AI? What would a successful philanthropic landscape look like there? Well, we need philanthropists to support journalism in general, trustworthy journalism. And that's more important with the use of generative AI. We need uh, philanthropists to get involved, hands-on, focusing on trustworthy reporting with generative AI that's been trained with guardrails such that the assist that generative AI can provide 
needs to uh, focus on uh, trustworthy sources, and we need very few, if any, hallucinations, which is a polite way of talking about the large language model going off the rails and lying to people. Yeah, exactly. And I think Another part about that is also the importance of just AI, as we're talking about AI education, reporting on AI itself and the impacts and harms about it. What would you say are the crucial areas you think we should be f- having a major focus on over there? Somebody's trying to report on AI, like any other technical area, they have to have a lot of background in the technology. So maybe they need to take a course like the CUNY J School Journalism Lab, but they need to know to distinguish hype versus reality. And sometimes the too casual way that people speak about artificial intelligence, because uh, literally speaking, artificial intelligence is not something we're studying right now that has implications for, well, what some people call general AI, People who've read too much science fiction like myself are thinking about conscious systems. But then we stop talking about it because no one knows what consciousness is really. So journalists need to get right to the point in terms of the capabilities and limitations of AI as it exists right now, but also need to think about the rate at which generative AI is evolving because people keep surprising us, shocking us with actual progress. For example, the tool Sora from OpenAPI, which is about generating a video, I thought that was two or three years off, and that surprised me. And this is big implications for entertainment because it's moving faster than the writers, uh, directors, the studios thought. And I reflect that a uh, movie or TV script is a program, it's software, and that could be fed into generative AI at some point to produce something credible. And at some point, someone will be able to describe what they want, and then that may produce a finished story, not real soon, or at least I don't think it'll be real soon, But I keep getting surprised, and I'm just wrong over and over again. Yeah, it seems like we are still in that reactive stage, trying to cope up with all of the advancements in AI and still being overwhelmed, I would say, with how quickly things are advancing. But you brought up an important point, which is it seems like the policies and the technology is evolving at a rate quicker than we can even are able to even comprehend at this point in time and manage with the development that's there. Yeah, the Internet and everything associated with it has evolved faster than law, regulation, and custom can keep up with. And the AI stuff is doing that even more. The people I support are trying to work with, well, the entire industry and government to try to figure out how to make sense of all this. And I'm not that optimistic, at least in the near term. Talking about that, then I want to quickly just understand what would be our hopeful vision for how the news industry would evolve with AI? Well, I think journalists can use AI to do research, to filter important signals out of noise. 
For example, if you have huge amounts of data, sometimes uh, generative AI can connect the dots and make sense out of huge amounts of data. And then maybe AI can do a little, a little in terms of suggested writing, because I have learned writing to deadline is hard. Any help that a journalist or even an amateur like myself, any help we can get is appreciated. But I don't see AI being capable of something hard to talk about that humans add to storytelling. Because storytelling is a really big deal in this context. And it adds something that I don't know how to talk about, but I know when it's done well. Exactly. And I think that's the innately human quality that is brought to journalism, the capability of telling stories, the capability of being able to get stories as well that AI is not. And before we conclude, I also just love hearing and getting a personal glimpse into people's lives in terms of AI is not just like a professional interest or a topic, but it's also becoming something people are dabbling with in their own lives. And so Craig, I'd love to hear more about how has AI been finding its way into your own personal life? Well, Right now, most of the uh, potential, but for a gag, for fundraising for uh, veterans through the Bob Woodruff Foundation, I suggested Craig GPT, which complements a couple of years ago, Hologram Craig. At first, it was just a gag where Craig GPT could potentially replace me. And of course, it evolved into uh, something where Craig GPT says, it'll let me live and not really replace me. But now I think maybe I should get some help and feed everything I've written into a GPT system and see what happens because maybe it would be a good fact-checking system for stuff that I've said or not said. And I might engage someone to do that, but things move too fast for my, for my liking. Of course, that could mean the actual merger of Hologram Craig and Craig GPT, and I could get some rest. So tell me more actually about Craig GPT. What is its current like function the way you have made it? Well, right now its current function was just to be a gag for veterans uh, fundraising. But if we build something real based on what I've written, maybe fact-checked interviews, that would be interesting. It would offer me some uh, reflection on things I've said, sometimes stupid. But then also, it would be a way for people to do uh, fact-checking, which might be valuable in some ways that I can only guess. That sounds like a very fun, exciting project to kind of take on and like the Craig GPT and the hologram GPT combined together. We'll see what happens. Might be fun in the sense of reminding me of dumb things I've said or done in the past. Uh, well, Craig, it's been such an absolute pleasure to speak to you. I think your insights on like the past, present, future of AI really coupled with this deep commitment that you have towards philanthropic initiatives to support journalism and the social good basically has been really enlightening. Thank you so much, Craig, for sharing your time and your thoughts with us. Hey, it's my pleasure. That was Craig Newmark, the founder of Craigslist. Stay updated with the Newsroom Robots podcast and sign up for our newsletter at newsroomrobots.com. 
This podcast is made possible thanks to the Harvard Innovation Lab's Spark Grant. I'm Nikita Roy, and this is Newsroom Robots. Robots.